Okay, there we are. Now, good morning. Have a beautiful day, beautiful fall weather. I hope everybody's been enjoying that. I know I have. This is my favorite time of year. We're going to pick back up in John chapter uh, uh, John chapter 12 at verse 28. I think that's where we left off last week. We're going to finish it up today and next week Brother Tim will start on chapter 13. So um, let's just go ahead and finish out by reading... Uh, the rest of the the passage here from 28. Um, It says, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world, now shall the prince of this world be cast out, and if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever, and how sayest thou, The Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. They should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words, and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that that judgeth him the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, 
so I speak. Okay, so verse 28, um, where we left off, we mentioned that uh, a voice came down from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. There in verse uh, 29, it's obvious that the uh, crowd, the multitude that was gathered there around him, also heard this voice. Uh, they were not quite sure what it was. Um, some, some of them interpreted it, interpreted it as uh, thunder, thunder from you know up above in the clouds. And then others actually heard a, a voice or um, something being spoken. Uh, some considered it to be uh, in a different language and they didn't understand what, it, uh, what was actually said. So um, from my point of view, from what I read, um, I don't think the people or the multitude, the crowd that was gathered there, did not actually hear or understand words, that, the actual words that were said, uh, because there was some uh, difference uh, as stated here that John said in, in verse 29 that some thought it was thunder and others said uh, an angel spoke to him and some commentators uh, make point that even though they said uh, the angel spoke, that they still did not understand the language in which the angel spoke those words. So it's a, it's a little unclear there as to what, you know, was actually, uh, I guess, comprehended by the crowd as to what took place. But nevertheless, something happened whether they heard thunder or a or voice from heaven, uh, that did take place, and they did observe that, and, and that is the main point. Uh, then, beginning in verse 30, uh, Jesus said that the voice they heard, and he actually, of course, Christ understood it and received it as a voice and uh as being spoken, but he said the voice came not because of him, but for their sakes. So it happened so that, um, I guess, as proof um, from up above of who he was, um, that it was not, they were, he was not speaking to Christ just for Christ's sake but also for the, the sake of the crowd. And as I <clears throat> mentioned at the close from, at last week, there are three instances in the New Testament of God speaking or Christ having heard a voice from heaven. Um, uh, obviously here in verse uh, 28, and then at his baptism in Matthew chapter 3 and at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17. Uh, so this, I guess, goes on to help reaffirm 
uh, the divinity of Christ. Oh, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 3, um, during his baptism, verses 13 and 17. And then uh, Matthew chapter 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, <clears throat> verse 31 and 32, uh, he states that... Uh, the judgment is now, and uh, the prince of this world will be cast out. And if he be lifted up from the earth, it will draw all men unto him. So this is, I guess you could say, this is where the trouble starts. Um, and it's not really trouble as far as... Uh, in regards to Christ himself, but the, the crowd, the multitude, misinterprets what he said. Um, it somewhat goes against what they have been taught as far as the Jewish tradition, uh, what they have taught, been taught their entire lives. Uh, <clears throat> but what he's referring to here. And I'm not sure what, um, does anybody have a uh, different version there in verse 32 that says something other than, uh, I will be lifted up from the earth? Does anybody have anything different? What he's referring to here is the actual crucifixion in which he is nailed to the cross and then lifted up where he is actually you know, will not be touching the ground or the, the earth itself. Um, but likewise, he will too uh, be lifted up after the, the uh, his, when he's resurrected. Uh, he will be lifted up into heaven as well. But in this verse, he's referring to the, the crucifixion. And, and we can confirm that by looking at verse 33 where he says um, uh, it signified what death he would die. So there in verse 32, as confirmed in verse 33, he's referring to the crucifixion where he will be lifted up onto a cross and that's where he will die. If, okay. Yes, you are correct. King James does say, if I be lifted up. Yes. And that's kind of, I didn't think about it until you said that. Um, that word, if, I, I'm surprised it's actually in there. Because he knew, you know, that, uh, that word, if, leads to a uh, somewhat of a, Maybe a doubt or a question, does it not? But um, yeah. What was his choice right up until the moment that they nailed him to the cross? It was his choice whether or not to do that. At any time, Jesus could say, "I don't want to do this," but he followed through. Okay. He even said, I can call 
Yes. Okay, now see, that makes more sense, does it not, instead of that, using the word if, because the word when signifies it will happen. Okay. <clears throat> Picking up in verse 34, um, the crowd or the people answered, uh, saying, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, The Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Okay, so now they're, they're getting back to what was prophesied by Isaiah um, in terms, and we'll get into this uh, in, in the, the scriptures following this, but. Uh, Isaiah prophesied, or the Jews, for ever since Moses, I guess you could say, um, had thought or believed of an earthly king and an earthly kingdom being established, and that the Messiah, the Savior, would be an earthly king that would reign here on earth. Uh, and then, and so now he's saying he'll be lifted up, which they've totally, you know, they're totally confused now. Uh, they don't realize it, but first they, they um, misunderstood when he said he'll be lifted up as to being lifted up on the cross. And then number two, they thought he was going to be lifted up into heaven, which he will but they will get into that at a later point. So, <clears throat> uh, But uh, once again, they state that out of the law, they're saying that the Messiah would live forever or abideth here on earth is what they're getting at. <clears throat> then Jesus goes on to say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm here for just a little while. Uh, and he, he refers to the light. He said, while the light is with you, walk with the light. Because um, darkness will come, and in the darkness, you don't know where you're going. Uh, that's a pretty good analogy. And um, light is often referred to in Scripture as truth, is it not? This is not the first reference to light being considered the truth or the word or the way uh, and darkness has often been referred to as evil so he's saying while I'm here on earth and while you have the truth uh, you need to listen and walk with it because the time is coming when I will no longer be here and the darkness will have settled and you won't know which way to go because you can't see because the light has gone. So, <clears throat> um, continuing on there, verse 36, he says, While you have the light, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. So he's referring to uh, not only himself but to God's word. Then Jesus, <clears throat> then these things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. 
So he has given them a, uh, a sermon. Uh, while giving the sermon, they have heard a, a voice from heaven. Uh, and he has now concluded this sermon um, or lesson and has departed and left the crowd and actually went to hide himself from them. So, um, why do you think he would go hide himself? Is there any indication as to the purpose of that? Well, his time had not come until he crucified yet. They were trying to kill him. Right. They, they wanted to kill him even before he got on the cross. They were um, sitting there having meetings about it and wanted him to die. So, he knew his time was not yet. I think you're right. I think he used this opportunity um, to separate himself from the world, um, to go and pray and meditate upon the the things which were well. The wheels had already been set in motion, had they not? So uh, the hour was approaching. He had already come to the realization realization as I spoke of last week there in verse 27 um, it, it had hit him hard uh, it finally dawned on him what was about to take place and I think he was filled with emotion and I think he just needed to get away uh, by himself and and do exactly what Miss Julia was talking about or Julie was talking about and uh, just pray and meditate on these on these things and and what was uh, fixing to occur. <clears throat> Any questions or comments so far? Okay, verse thirty-seven. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah had said it. He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. So the crowd the multitude uh, is still in a state of unbelief. The doctrine, the traditions, everything that they've been taught for so many hundreds of years has actually led to the hardening of their heart. Um, The actual and and they refer to Isaiah's prophecy. And they have taken this prophet's words and misinterpreted them. Misinterpreted, that's a hard word for me to say. They have misinterpreted those words and what he actually meant by the prophecy. 
and it has um, led them down this path of unbelief and um, a hardening of the heart and I guess you could say an unwillingness to change. Does any of that sound familiar today? Does it not? Absolutely it does. That's all I could really, when I, uh, I was reading through and studying this, um, we have so many sincere uh, people, friends, family, brothers and sisters outside the, the church that, that have been brought up either through family or listening to a uh, uh, beloved you know, preacher from uh, another religion, so to speak, uh, and it has hardened their heart. They believe every word that was taught them, and uh, it's the very same thing that's happened here. So I think this lends itself well somewhat into us understanding what Christ was facing then. Uh, I have or had an uncle. He recently passed away. It was actually my my mother's uncle, my grandfather's brother, uh, Uncle Billy, Billy Hudson. He was the finest individual that ever walked on the earth. You know, one of the, you know, you've heard the saying, he was salt of the earth. Uh, he was that type of man, and not just him, but his wife and and the the three children. Uh, all of them were still are. And uh, my grandfather tried to convert him and the family his whole life, and um, and not only that that family. Itself, my my mother's father, my grandfather's whole family. They were, they they did not grow up in the church or anything of that nature. But my grandfather, as well as one of his sisters, was converted, and they worked with the other brothers and sisters for years. But especially Uncle Billy. Uncle Billy had a heart of gold. He was the type that they did not have TV. Um, very humble, meek, lowly, um, hardworking. He did not care about material things. Uh, they spent their free time visiting the sick in the hospitals and going to the funeral homes. He was well known in the community, you know, just for for that reason itself. Uh, and was a was actually a preacher in a. a a non-denominational uh, church, and uh, so, but I can't help but think how sincere and dedicated his life was to Christ and the Bible. Yet he was wrong uh, in the very end. Uh, so, and I think that's what that that really hurts you know, to think about it. And and I know for a fact I'm not the only one that I'm sure everybody sitting here could, has the same 
or has had the same experience or knows of someone just like that. So, uh, but you know that first. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's beyond. I guess you could say our comprehension because we do know, but it's beyond my comprehension as to how we can sit and read the same words and and it not just click or dawn on anybody else that reads it. They interpreted uh, the scripture and the prophet Isaiah completely wrong, and, and therefore it led to their uh, disbelief of Christ, just as so many today interpret the scriptures wrong. And so many lead them down the wrong path by teaching them the wrong. <clears throat> All right, so uh, verse 40, it says that uh, he, referring to Isaiah, had blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes. So even though Christ had perform, uh, performed all these miracles, uh, they had witnessed it. Uh, they had seen Lazarus, uh, that he had been raised from the dead. They'd actually been right here earlier when they heard a voice from heaven. Yet their hearts had been hardened, and therefore they could not actually see with their eyes. And I, In other words, they, they couldn't, or maybe they wouldn't, realize what was actually happening here. <clears throat> verse 41 these things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him um, that's just referring to the, um, the prophecy that was actually spoken okay in verse 42 nevertheless among the chief rulers also many believed on him so this leads us to believe, which I spoke of earlier, that even those uh, or, uh, Pharisees that were of the ruling class uh, were of um, in high standing within in that group. Some of those actually believed. However, if you continue to read, uh, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. So I spoke last week, uh, let's refer back to verse um, uh, 19 of chapter 12, where it says, The Pharisees said, Therefore among themselves perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. So... Um, we, we have had a split among the Pharisees. You have uh, two schools of thought, one being that uh, this is Christ, uh, the Messiah that has come to save us, and he is who he says he is. And then you have this other group that uh, does not believe who he is, or maybe they do believe, but they don't want to accept it either way. They, they want him gone. They want him out of the picture. And they are direct, uh, they're willing to kill him to get rid of him. And the, the Pharisees, 
the group that believes this is who it is, um, they're saying in verse 19, they're saying, look, you see what you see what's taking place here? Um, you have tried your hardest to get rid of him, to disprove, uh, to, uh, disprove him, to prove he's wrong, uh, to show he's uh, broken the law, and you've even given the order to the citizens to let us know where he is, if you see him, so that we can put him in jail because he's a lawbreaker. Uh, you see all these things that you've done, it hasn't worked, and now the people, the whole world, as they refer to it here in verse uh, 19, the whole world has gone after him. Uh, but nevertheless, even though there was a division, two schools of thought, none of them would confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. So even though they did believe who he was, uh, they weren't willing to confess this and stand up for him, to take a stand and say, you know, I'm done, I'm out of this group, I guess if you want to say that, I'm done with the Pharisees, I'm, I'm now going to follow Christ. Uh, nobody was willing to do that. And if you remember the last time I taught, I think it was chapter 9, I referred uh, to being put out of the synagogue. Uh, and verse, or chapter 9, uh, I, uh, we read about uh, Christ healing the blind man and the parents of the young man that was healed had been brought before the, the Pharisees and they were unwilling to take a stand either in, in fear of being put out of the synagogue and I kind of explained it there but being put out of the synagogue was a, um, I guess you could say, a really big deal. Uh, this was something that they didn't take lightly. Um, this is something that they feared. The synagogue was the center of their lives, um, of the Jewish faith. Uh, everything revolved around the synagogue. Uh, and to be excommunicated or put out of the synagogue uh, was shameful, I guess you could say. Um, that's where all things took place. I mean, all your friends, family, and everything like that was centered there on the synagogue. And you could be, you know, excommunicated, I guess that would be the best word for it, um, for, you know, it depends on what the final ruling was of the, the chief rulers, but, you know, it could be anywhere from a month to several years to, you know, a permanent thing. Uh, I guess it would just depend on how they felt the severity of the offense was. But uh, at this point in time, nobody was willing to do that. And it's almost... Eh, and it's because they enjoyed the praise of men more than that of Christ. 
they enjoyed that feeling of belonging, of uh, in some instances, if you were of a certain rank, that feeling of power, uh, and even I suppose business. A lot of business revolved around it. I kind of thinking about this compared it. And I don't know if it's a good comparison or not, but it's almost like a country club setting uh, where you have uh, affluent individuals, say, of a community that gather together, and, and it's a form of uh, bonding and friendship. But not only that, uh, a way to do business, to conduct business, because you make these connections, you form these networks with doctors and lawyers and, and, and the more fluent individuals of a community. And so it, it does have some, um, let's say how to impact, I guess you could say, on your livelihood. This is how you deal uh, uh, and make your, your business is through these connections. So uh, that may have had a, a lot to do with it, but either way, uh, the bottom line is that none of them were willing to, um, or the fear of being thrown out of the synagogue was at the forefront of their thoughts. So the, the scrolls that they learned by the, the word of God was housed in the synagogue. So if you're thrown out of the synagogue, you no longer have access to the word of God. That's and right and uh, like Julie said you know we they didn't have individual Bibles like we do now or uh, the uh, electronic means of studying and I'm not sure if I actually brought this up when I was talking about being put out of the synagogue but it was uh, it brought on uh, a lot of shame to an individual, um, and not just the individual, but you know the family, though family and friends, uh, it brought a lot of shame upon them as well. And the others would, you know, obviously out of curiosity, would want to know why, what you did, what kind of sin was committed that you were thrown out or excommunicated from the synagogue. So you were kind of, I mean, you were really and truly looked down upon if you were thrown out of the synagogue. <clears throat> All right, verse 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me, and he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. 
Okay, so in verse 44 it says, Jesus cried and said. So I don't think we can, uh, I don't think this literally means that he cried, as in with tears um, and that type of emotion. I think what John's referring to here when he writes and uses that term cried, it means he uh, was extremely vocal. He was loud. He spoke with force. Um, I think that's how, what he means by this term here in verse 44. Uh, but he says that um, those that believe that I am who I say I am, uh, they don't believe just me. They believe in him who sent me, or in other words, God. And that um, those who look upon Christ, they not only see Christ, but they also see God. And we, we went over that a good many times. Um, so um, I think we all should have a good understanding of that. But he says that he is, he's come as a light to the world, um, to guide everyone, show them the path, and that uh, if any man hear his words, uh, that he is not there to judge, but he came to save, and that uh, it is God's duty, his uh, responsibility to uh, enact judgment upon the world. And he goes on to say in verse 48 that those who rejects Christ there um, rejects God in the same. He rejects the one who will judge him. And then closing out, he's uh, speaking that um, he is not speaking for himself but for the Father which sent him that uh, God had gave him a commandment to fulfill, and that's what he is, he is willing to do. <clears throat> and, that, um, and then to close out in verse 50, Whatsoever I speak, therefore I speak as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So he's just letting them know that what he has been saying is not his words, but he's speaking for the Father and just relaying what the Father says.